Credits. I thought I'd do something a little different. I've got a fortune cookie here, and I'm just going to go ahead and open it. In theory, it'll open, and I will crack into this fortune cookie and, and read it live on air. Okay, uh, here we go. A love relationship takes on an added dimension. You know, that was really impressive, Foley. I think for anyone listening to this episode, they're probably certain that you see you're continuing to do it. You're crunching up lettuce with your hands to mimic the sounds of eating. Uh, welcome back to Zero Credits, the show where we talk about things. In bed. <laughs> my name's Henry. And my name's John. And together we're Henry and John coming at you to unreal, un, unravel the mysteries of the fortunes. That their cultural zeitgeist. This is a stale fortune cookie. Uh, when did you get the food? From which? From whence it came? I want to say last Thursday. Here's something uh, too long. Here's something that I had to walk through. I almost said, when did you get the specific ethnicity's food? And then I thought, well, I don't want to... I don't want to put it into a category and say, like, oh, only fortune cookies come with this specific kind of food. But you know what? They kind of do. They kind of do. It's a, yeah. Do you know the history of the fortune cookie? No. Oh, it was uh, invented in America mm. and then sold of Chinese food. Sounds about right. Yep. There's a, a fascinating book about the history of Chinese food in America. I forget the name of it. Uh, but it talks about the... The invention of General So's chicken being a oh, purely yeah. American invention. It talks about uh, Chinese all-you-can-eat buffets being like used to launder money. It talks about the the racist uh, kind of perceived overtones or undertones. Well, the the racist perceived effects of MSG on people's systems, oh, yeah. even though MSG has like pretty much no way of causing adverse reaction that eating a tomato with some salt on it wouldn't cause. What's crazy to me, and I think I learned this, you know that meme, like, I was blank years old or whatever? I was today years old or whatever? Uh, John has spilled beer on his shirt. Jesus Christ. <laughs> this is very good for the podcast. Um, but I think I was like, I don't know, 29 years old when I learned that MSG is like not an additive. It's not a, It's It's just like it's an organic thing that you can add to food and it's not, like, harmful. Yeah. it's it's a, There's this weird perception that MSG, like, hurts you, even though MSG is delicious and totally harmful. Monosodium Wait. glutamate. You just said that. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> there's this weird thing where people think it does harm even though it's delicious <laughs> totally. delicious and totally harmful. <laughs> Harmless. Oh. People, there's this crazy misconception. It's totally harmful. <laughs> All right. So, for the record, MSG completely harmless. Hey, I do wanna, I do wanna explode this out a little bit. No one ever uses the word harmful in the same contexts that they would use harmless. Yeah. No one is ever being barked at by a dog, and their owner goes, "Don't worry, he's harmful." <laughs> you should worry. He's harmful. <laughs> 
<laughs> no one ever does that. Please be concerned. Um, I'm harmful. <laughs> Listen, the the medicine you're about to take it just has a couple harmful side effects. Yeah, yeah. Completely painful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No one does. No one does that either. Unless it's like uh, you know some villain trying doing the twist in the phrase yeah. like he's dressed up like a nurse. Yeah, he's like, "Don't worry, this will only hurt a lot," and yeah. starts like sawing. I don't. Don't know. worry, this will this will be painful. Yeah. yeah, really, only villains do that. What villains? Villains are masters of wordplay. The Joker loved a palindrome. Oh, the Joker loved the palindrome, and so he went on to be alone. That's a rhyme. <laughs> Uh, yeah. The, the, no, let's try saying it backwards. Fucking can't, can you? You're right. Palindrome. <laughs> What's a, a man, a plan... A canal. Oh, Panama. Panama. What's... Oh, what's the other one? Give me a lasagna, I'm a lasagna hog. <laughs> something like that. I think, oh, go hang a salami, I'm a lasagna hog. Something like that. Yeah, that's my favorite one. Yeah, Dimitri Martin used to post those all the time when I followed his Facebook. They're the best. Palindromes, the English language is amazing. We're drinking beer today. Yes, so uh, this week's episode is brought to you by uh, John's Drinking an Old Standby. We only have a case and a couple of individual cans left. Hans Pills by the Real Ale Brewing Company, only in Texas. Real Ale is real good. And Hans, this Hans Pills, I'm detecting a flavor in it that I hadn't detected before, and it might have just been awoken by the semi-dark chocolate of those peanut butter patties I just ate. Oh, listen up. We've got five quick tips about how you can pair your favorite Girl Scout cookie with any type of alcohol. We're BuzzFeed now. BuzzFeed. Uh, Take this quiz. We'll tell you uh, which Andrew Yang quote you are and which tag-along you should eat. And I am enjoying a nice, uh, all-natural... I'm going to do what you did last week. I've been told to read in a certain way. Uh, Every drop of Shiner, Shiner is brewed in Shiner, Texas. All-natural, ruby redbird, 95 calories, with ginger and grapefruit. There's some text on the side. Um, Can't read it. The text on the side is illegal. In America, you can't read from bottom up or top to bottom. Yeah. So, uh, a nice... uh, Beer brewed with Texas ruby red fruit, grapefruit, and ginger with natural flavors added. There's beer. A, now, have we ever had a ruby red fruit on the podcast before? We must have, because my wife loves this beer. And I, now I know it's only 95 calories, and so I also love this beer. Uh, ruby red fruit rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I had a few of them during uh, Jaws in the Water, where oh, I learned yeah. to fall in love with it. Right, right, yeah, Jaws in the Water, where I just drink Land Shark <laughs> yes. because it came in like a 48-ounce can. Yeah, you you got to drink the Tall Boys. Uh, but Gotta make dr- it through that shark movie. Uh, we're drinking some beers today, and we actually got together and did something a little bit unusual before the podcast. Right. Uh, so those of you who don't know, because you don't know John's personal work schedule, mm. John worked basically 12 and a half hours today. Yes. And so we got together before the podcast to watch the next episode of Fast and Furious Colon Spy Racers, episode 5. 
The Celestial Vault. Yes, the the Celestial Vault. Now, I do believe, typically speaking, when we do this segment, we've got some kind of timer going. Do you are you doing the timer this week? Or I'm you? not doing the timer. I'm that's, actually looking up a fact. That's you setting up, prompting me to put the timer. That's right. We're going to uh, do a timer for I don't know. Let's say twenty four. Minutes and uh, let's say I'm just picking a random number out of my head. 42 seconds. It's a palindrome. Time starts now. So I have a lot to say about this episode. Now, it was uh, heartening to watch an episode of Spy Racers surrounded by uh, those I love and respect. Uh, and I maybe that had something to do with it, but overall, I actually kind of like this episode. This is strange because it's kind. It feels like as though we are going through the first four Fast and Furious movies, and then the fifth one is good. Yeah, it's pretty similar. It's very similar because this fifth one. I'm not going to say it was good. I'm going to say it was better than the other four. Yes, it, it is by no means great television, but I will say when the episode started, it was uh, more of the same shit. It was a lot of uh, bad jokes by these characters we don't care about. And, and increased characterization coming now midstream into the action, including apparently Cisco, whose name I, I know... Uh, He's supposed to be the dumb one. It's str- and that's new to, news to me because uh, he's like their main mechanic. Yes, it's interesting that now we have this like dark horse candidate saying that he is the dumb one because usually I don't want to tell these people how to write, but if a character could be described as the dumb one, you usually find out pretty early in the show. It's usually obvious because they speak a little differently from everyone else around them, unlike the people in this show. Where everyone talks the goddamn same. Everyone everyone sounds exactly the same with different voices. Uh, they speak at the same clip, making the same jokes. Yep. Uh, but at some point, it was clear that like he doesn't think too good and has maybe slammed his head too many times. Uh, all I know about Cisco is he seems to be a pretty smart guy who drinks a lot of milk. Yeah, and he likes cup holders, which we learn in this episode... Because that's his favorite feature to add on to Spy Car. Yes, and Spy Cars had things added on to them. I will Let's say, just get to the meat. I will say, though, I do like to give credit where credit is due on this show for putting in actual car things. They, uh, they did say that stopping a train with his car did mess up uh, Tony Toretto's transmission. And that's a little bit of continuity that I can applaud, because I like it when a show will, will refer back to things that happened to it. As though they were happening in sequential order. Yeah. Unlike, a, say, a Simpsons or... Another show that does that sort of thing. There was a time in my life, and I think a time in your life as well, uh, where we were young enough to not really uh, treasure continuity in television shows. I don't know which show first brought continuity to your attention and the powers of character development and a changing, uh, changing landscape, but mine was a reboot. Reboot? Actually, now that you say that, mine was also French-Canadian animated show Code Lyoko. Oh, really? I've never seen Code Lyoko. Don't. Is it not good? I don't think it is. 
But that show had a sequential or a serialized storytelling point of view. And now I'm learning that Reboot did as well. Uh, Reboot did as well. And Reboot uh, gave me, I still think on this fondly, as something that I, I look for every time I consume media. There is, Reboot is largely like kind of Monster of the Weeky. I think Megabyte is the bad guy. Is he the guy with the helmet head? I think so. Uh, but eventually, uh, we, we get to this point where the, uh, okay, guess your wife is alive. You okay? Sounds like she went in another room, so she's oh, fine. Oh, okay. Uh, but eventually, Enzo is the kid. Oh, we're still on Reboot? Yes, we're still on Reboot. Enzo is the child in Reboot. Uh, eventually, there is a massive time skip. Right. And then Enzo is this, like, cool guy with an eye patch who's got a gun and a Mohawk. girlfriend. And then whoever the main character from Reboot is, they bring him out of the cyber world where he was cast off yeah. for this dark middle chapter. And he comes back like a cyber god guy. Mm. And the fact that Enzo was missing an eye and I think an arm or a hand, I'm going to be honest with you. I mark out hardest for narratives that show character development by people losing extremities. Yeah. That's why I love Metal Gear Solid. Because that's all you do. That's all you do is lose extremities. Yeah, it's like Star Wars. All you do is get peed on and lose an eye. Isn't your hand like a rocket hand? Oh, yeah, but that's... That's after the ones that matter. Oh, sorry. I'm talking Metal Gears 1 through 4. After that, you get the, like, Phantom Pain stuff, and that's fine. You mean before that? Yeah, before that. Because of the continuity. Well, anyway, yes. So after that, tech, well, no, no before no. that, but also, 4 is the end of the series. also after that. No, 4 is the end of the series. Yeah. Well, you so have five 1. Before. You have, we're not getting okay. into this. Serialization and cartoons, I highly re respect, and I, I, I like it when a show can pull it off well. I'm not saying that Spy Racers is pulling it off well, but I like the nod to it, because that means somebody once watched a serialized cartoon and said, oh, well, you can do that. Yeah, we can do that now. There's a lot of changes in characterization that happen, and the one that I maybe want to spend the most time talking about is the our... Meat. The meat. Uh, heretofore... In this show, our primary antagonist has been one Shashidar. Yes. And I may I might have called this early on by saying that Shashidar's overriding principle has been that he's stealing from tech billionaires. Yes. It is now seemingly revealed uh that Shashidar has uh has an extreme I don't know if he's got a, a socialist viewpoint, but at least an anarchistic anti-privatization viewpoint. Uh, because he, the entire episode circles around this Mount Zebulon that is owned by a tech billionaire. Right. Shashi's whole thing is to say that no human being should have enough wealth to own a mountain. He also apparently used to camp on Mount Zebulon with his parents... Before they pass. Yes. Now, we don't know what happened there. But I, I think a Winter Soldier happened to his parents. It's been a while since I've seen Winter Soldier. Hold on. The character. Yes. There we go. I don't um, know. I, I, so, yeah. <laughs> Sashidar 
seemingly lining up with the morals of the actions that we've seen thus far, now says his words aloud and and rallies against privatization, private property. Interestingly enough for an antagonist, he's not anti-America. He's actually pro-America. Yeah, yeah. um, He's like, you think it's okay if someone owns a mountain and the people don't even get a vote? In America? In America? That sits well with you? Like, he's taking these security guards to task over their just posting of guarding this random mountain for no reason. Yes. And, and then he he inflicts... I don't want to give Spy Racers too much credit for making incisive social commentary, but when he says to the goons of the billionaire who has privatized land... Uh, that people sit secure in their technology, uh, not knowing the danger it poses to them, and then uses their own turrets to blow up the gate in a show that's better than this? That would have been, like, world-class cartooning. Oh, yeah. Would have been so good. And it was good. Like, say say maybe, I don't know, this is just a for instance. Say if you took that sequence and put it in um, Sonic the Hedgehog, Starring Ben Schwartz and Jim Carrey. It might have elevated that movie even more so because that's a really good film. And I kind of want to talk about it, but I guess we can't because we're talking about Fast and Furious. Oh, that's, yeah. I now remember what I had planned for the rest of this episode. Thank you, Fast and Furious Spy Racers. Anyway. Yeah, so yeah, it's, a, it's like, in a, and if the rest of the show were up to that scene's quality... This would be a good show. Yes. But instead, it's it's like there's a rule in uh, writing where you give all the good lines to the secondary character. Mm-hmm. So people like the secondary character uh, and like care for them and they serve a purpose in the story. It's it, what I like to call a Dragon Age. Sure. And it seems like the uh, the writers... Or a Knights of the Old Republic. Bioware leans pretty heavily on that, actually. Mass Effect. Yeah, also Mass Effect. Man, they, yeah. they really do do they that. They really do do that. Because it's, it's a good rule in writing. Because usually, like at least in like a first-person thing, uh, you're, the person experiencing is already projecting themselves into the, the main character. Yeah. So you give the best lines to the secondary character so that you... The protagonist cares about the secondary characters, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It seems like the writers for Fast and Furious Spy Racers are doing that with Sashi Dar. Yes. Interesting that they give it to the antagonist and not the actual, like, secondary characters that are the cadre to the protagonist. Yes. Yeah. Even this, this, this episode does a lot of telegraphing with, uh, Frosty and what happens to Frosty. Frosty at the end of the episode, kind of a cliffhanger. He gets kidnapped. Yes. But even, like, the and they set up that, like, oh, Frosty, don't leave the hangar, don't leave the pot. Don't Frosty's leave. not been in the action for four episodes. Yeah, and um, this is, like, he's, he's going to leave, and, you know, like, they're, they're setting up that something's bad's going to happen to him. But even with all of that, I just can't find myself caring about Frosty, no matter how many times they show his lesbian moms. Yes. Now, one thing that I will say about Frosty, once again, I don't give a shit about Frosty. Frosty's a big old who care, but... But lesbian moms. Credit where credit's due for this show, they did, in the span of this episode, give Frosty an interesting arc that had a, a moment of catharsis when he actually, like, deploys his drone suit, which you felt good about. Yeah. This show, 
I will be honest. I feel like a, a man who's been trapped in a French prison for two years. And the days in which I sit thirsty, hungry, abused by my captors are de rigueur at this point. I don't care. But this one episode has been a, a bit of condensation forming on the peat moss at the top of my cell. And a single drop of water landed on my tongue for the barest bit of characterization and catharsis and, like, pretty decent writing and character development, this felt great. Maybe this is their strategy, a real feast and famine situation. Yeah, they starve us of any good moments so that they, the actual decent moments we have, we elevate all the more Yeah, because they stand out as, like, a beacon of what could be amidst a desert of just, like, hopelessness. I mean, I don't want to make any crass comparisons, but it's like every fifth or sixth episode of The Dragon Prince, which really slaps, and then you watch yeah. other episodes which don't. There's which, a lot of... I don't want to compare these shows at all, because to be clear, Dragon Prince is at best like a 60%, yeah. but it's still leagues better than Spy Racers. Right, right, right. Uh, but it, really, I, I feel like if you compared the Shashidar stuff to the writing in pretty much any other medium, it would be trash. But I'm probably going to be riding on a high of how good that Shashi Dar dialogue was oh, yeah. for a minute. And the race was good, too. The race was... Far- okay, so there, there's a big reveal at the start yes. of the race, which is great. Sashi Dar reveals to all of the strikers... What are they called? Shifters. Shifters. All of the shifters that Tony and his crew are working for the feds. They're rats. There we go. Stakes. Something this show has never had is... We know that no one can die in this show, so putting someone in mortal peril is meaningless. But if you do put them in a position where their vector to the story can change, you create stakes. Yeah, yeah. And they did that. And it, it felt, like, vital and cool to actually kind of care about something. Characters felt betrayed, like Layla, who, in the first five minutes of this episode, makes pig noises and a horrifying pig, pig, goddamn face. Pig noises for too long, and also... Too accurate. Too convincing. And also, like, is that just the thing she knows she can do? (laughs) Yeah. She walks around with that knowledge in her head, but it's like, you know, at any moment I can just make pig noises. At any moment I can make six pig noises when the script should call for two. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, yeah. The the world of what we are watching has shifted in that moment. Shifted in that moment. And then he places a bounty on their heads, and it's like, oh, this is no longer just a race. This is a death race starring Jason Statham. Yes. Uh, death Wraith death race 2000. Uh, and then the episode, you know, resolves in its way. Yeah, However, oh, I do want to say, I, I think we had been keeping a body count <laughs> for our young spy racers. I think... They've killed, before this episode, around five people. Uh-huh. I think you could double that. Yeah, this brings us to ten, because... A solid ten so, dead. So, two cars exploded. Uh, one was unambiguously knocked off of the mountain. Yes. And another two were crushed by Cisco's car. Yep. And the disturbing thing to me about the ones that were crushed by Cisco's car, and I understand why they did this... They had the car spin out dramatically to align the windshield with the viewer, 
And they didn't want to put a human in there to imply that they died, so it's empty. Yeah, an empty car. But to me, that reads as the person has died and is, like, in the bottom of (laughs) the the car. Yeah, it's just, like, their whole body just kind of slumped over. It's sickening. It's sickening because Cisco does the rocket to jump over a car to avoid killing people. But then, since he lands on these other two cars... You have to imagine that Cisco's thought process is, why settle for one? <laughs> this is the trolley problem. Why would I kill just one person yeah. when I could kill two to three? Cisco looks at the trolley problem and he's like, I could kill no people or five? <laughs> yeah. I gotta have to, get, gotta I have to get, bump up the KD ratio. Is, yeah, gotta get my, my high score up. Yeah. Oh. This show is a very interesting <laughs> exercise in writing because just think about the characters we have. Who do we know the most about? Refle- reflect a little bit. Probably Layla. We know the most about Layla? Layla and Tony, I would say. What? Like, just facts about them. Oh. About their lives. Facts about them. Miss Nowhere. <laughs> I mean, like, I think you're, like... I think the answer in my head is Frosty because we're... Oh, actually, absolutely. We have not seen the home lives of any of these people. We have spent more time with Frosty and his backstory and his background and stuff. Lesbian moms. Lesbian moms who run a diner. It's adorable. He has a little sister. We have spent more time with that. And I think that was supposed to try to make us care that he gets kidnapped further on. But we still don't care. It's like they, they... it's like the writers were like, oh, what does it take for people to, to care about something? I know. Facts. We'll just list off a bunch of facts. No, no, don't show. Don't tell. We'll show them a bunch of facts, and then they'll care when he gets kidnapped. But it didn't work for some reason. Only be- I-, I guess it's because he was a little idiot and didn't stay in the car. You know what? I understand a lot of what they're going for with Frosty, but here's something that I don't understand. Yeah. In his diner restaurant with his lesbian moms, uh, there's a there's a plate put out, and she says, can you bring these tapas to table six or whatever? However, in the most recent episode, he is displaying the drone suit, and he says that uh, with the help of the drone suit that they'll be doling out uh, so much so prosetta, that they won't know what to do with it. And here's my question. Tapas are traditionally small plates in Spanish culture. Soprasetta is a dried Italian meat. What kind of restaurant are they running? Well, I think it's your typical diner, which serves <laughs> tapas and soprasetta. <laughs> your typical inner-city American diner that serves Tapas and so prosetta among lobster, <laughs> yes, and and ribeye and T-bone steaks. A very fusion of every fucking thing. It annoys me that clearly, clearly they had built this out. Whatever, whatever three D artist they found on Fiverr built this diner out, and then they were like, "Hey, uh, we need to have them serve food, but we want to show that this is like hip or upscale or say something that's referential." It also tapas. needs. It also needs to be diverse. But everyone knows tapas, right? It's, it's got to be diverse because his moms are black and Spanish. Yes. So they wouldn't serve burgers in a diner, you idiot. But it, it's, number one, this does not look like a place that would serve tapas or soprasetta. I'm no. sorry. It looks like a greasy spoon. It does. 
Uh, but when they say, like, oh, bring these tabas, I'm like, okay, I get it. They're trying to, like, make it cute. There is no Spanish... Italian fusion restaurant that I'm aware of. And I know that I'm harping on this a lot, but it really annoys me. What's funny is I've been to a tapas restaurant, and of course I've been to an Italian restaurant. Yes. And I've actually been to an Italian tapas restaurant. What? Which does Italian small plates. Yeah. But I've never done a re- been to a restaurant that does both individually. <laughs> yeah. It, it's fascinating to me. Maybe it is an Italian small plates place. It's tough to say. But it... Uh, just get it right. Find out the food that's typically in tapas and stick to that. Yeah. And also, can you bring... Also, you know what? Here's the thing. If you're serving small plates, don't call them tapas I... if they're not Spanish influence. Well, I, I was about to say, like, uh, you wouldn't call them tapas because if you're at, like, if you serve tapas, you serve a lot of things. Yeah. Everything would be tapas. So it's like, you could easily just say, hey, could you take this plate Yes. To table six. Yeah. You can make a small plates restaurant, but you can't make... (sighs) I shouldn't get this annoyed about it. The episode was fine. Clearly, this is the biggest problem in Fast and Furious colon Spy Racers. Uh, The diner makes no sense. The diner makes no sense. Here's a larger problem with the Fast and Furious universe. The food makes no sense. In all of the the whole universe, the food doesn't make sense? What did did he want? An egg salad sandwich with no crust? When? In the first movie, when he's trying to... Oh, I think it was tuna tuna sandwich. Tuna sandwich. Who serves that? Mia. Who serves that? Why is Han always eating chips? Because chips are good. (sighs) It annoys me. I just want one... Food-focused Fast and Furious movie. It's going to start Brad Pitt. Yes. In a car. Uh-huh. John Favreau. Oh, yeah. Chefs in cars <laughs> eating <laughs> chips. It is actually Chef with two Fs. It is Chef Fast and Chef- Furious. Chef Fast Anyway, I've, I've, uh, I get really annoyed about the food thing. Oh. I just want to take uh, these last couple of minutes we have, uh, plus some extra time because we paused to see if my wife was okay. Um, I want to applaud the visuals of the mountain race. Uh, it was rainy, and water splashed into the camera that then became somebody's windshield. Yeah. Like, that's, if nothing else, the car, the races and stuff, the animations there are, are great. Yes. And then for some reason the faces all kind of discomfort me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because they're constantly moving. Their faces move so much. They made a race, which is what I wanted, which is a race in which the only two things that are used are jumps and grappling hooks. Yeah. Well, there was some colored smoke, and then Tony knew that after he drove a football field length of distance, he should turn right. Absolutely. Uh, And then another thing that I liked is at the end... Uh, the only thing that I want out of this and Watchmen uh, is to compare all billionaires to Elon Musk, and they oh, said yeah. that there's like a Melma Musk or whatever. I think his name was Del Del Delma Musk. Delma Musk. Delma. And then they brought down the thing, clearly like a SpaceX thing. Oh yeah, his car. His car was in space. How yeah. did I not make that connection? It was clearly an Elon Musk thing. Oh, by the way, the uh, cars are keys. The cars are the keys. Insane. Who cares? Insane. Who cares? I also want to know, look, I do like Sashi Dar in this episode. He's really great. But all he saw was a laser... Bl- oh, no, the cameras, I guess? He saw the cameras? For what? 
How did he know it was the Toretto gang in his house? He saw a laser blast in the sky, on the ceiling. Yeah. And then he was like, oh, guy, Rusty. I think they make it pretty clear that they failed to get one of the cameras. Oh, okay. So he sees Tony. I guess uh, that slipped past me. I think when Tony when goes back for the rolling. bird or whatever. No, that was a different... Oh. When his t- crew went into the... Yeah. Tony was saving a bird. I think when Tony was saving a bird, they showed a camera that presumably caught him in some other room. Okay, not not Tony, his crew. Okay, his crew. Oh, you're right, because Tony. Tony was, was never in Tony his house. Tony was at the race. <laughs> Tony Tony was getting a bird. Yeah, Tony was Tony was getting a bird. He was getting a bird. Learned one thing about the Toronto oh my family. God, Jesus Christ! That they, you never it's leave like a bird behind. It's like you're not behind. paying attention. You never, you never leave a bird behind. All right, and so now in the last minute that we have, I just want to wrap this up, uh, as always, by uh, vamping for time and introducing the concept of giving the episode a grade. And I just want to leave just enough time for me to be able to give my grade and John for not to be able to say anything further. I've got a vamp for 30 seconds, so this is going to take a while. You know what? I'm just going to say it. I think solid B plus for this episode. Oh, for this episode, you give it a solid B+. Plus? Yeah. Well, I guess I should probably uh, weigh in with my verdict on how I consider this episode to be as an episode. Well, I think if we, we take into consideration the race, uh, which was a plus, the characterization of Shashi Dar, which is a plus, the presence of Miss Nowhere, which is a minus. Oh, oh man. No. John. My rubric. John, I, I even... I even, like, added some time for... I could add a minute. You know, I I think we should stick to the rules. Okay, well... I think we should stick to the rules. I, I even threw it to you. I thought you were going to be able to get there, but apparently you are not Man. able to cross that finish line. Much like Tony Toretto will never beat Layla until he beats the race into her heart. That sounds... Until he wins the race. Because beating has other connotations. Yes. I have a question for you. I might have an answer that now, I'll sing. Now, you said that you have another thing you want to talk about, maybe for the rest of the episode. No, 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 no. It's the motherfucking Theo Double G Snoop Dog. <laughs> I mean, it could, but I, I feel like... I don't know if it could fill the entire time. Well... If you want to talk about that later, I feel like there's going to be a theme in this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can talk about it later. You messaged me yesterday, Mm -hmm. and you told me that you had some earth-shaking news for the podcast. It's a real, to me, an earth-shaker, but I think to get there, we have to answer a few basic questions. And I know since we started Fast and Furious Spy Racers, a lot of this has been Fast and Furious-centric content. And this, dear listeners, is no different. I have a series of questions to figure out how meaningful this news is. You want to lead with the questions? They're conceptual, but it also speaks both to our character and to our responsibility as artists. So here's my question. What do we do? What was our mission in having a supplemental reading of all of the Fast and Furious movies in sequential order? Do you want me to answer this question honestly or in a way where there's a more profound meaning behind our intentions? Honestly. We wanted to fill the summer 
with content because yes. we had gone through most of June and nothing was happening. There wasn't a lot going on. We had a, a couple of, uh, I guess, doldrum episodes and you came across the idea of what if we watched, there's eight Fast and Furious movies. What if we took the rest of the summer and covered this series to, to fill for content, yes, but also to somewhat experience this film franchise that was really near and dear to the, to the, to the near and dear to the hearts of Americana. Yeah. And you didn't have a lot of experience with it, so you wanted to know what the hype was about. To experience something that is the single most popular, longest running, a series of movies not based on any other intellectual property. The the biggest original intellectual property... Star Wars? Uh, outside of that. Outside of established things. The modern day Star Wars one might call okay, it. Okay, so it's nothing... So pre-70s. Pre-the-70s. Uh, now, in watching it, we also watched Los Bandoleros. Yes. We watched the supercharged prequel, The Too Fast, Too Furious. May Furious. it rest in hell. Uh, May it rest in hell, the worst of them all. Now, in watching those, and in watching those movies, what were we accomplishing? Would you say that as as stewards of this content we were delivering, our responsibility was to watch every Fast and Furious movie? Absolutely. We wanted the complete experience, and that extends forward into why exactly we were watching Fast and Furious colon Spy Racers is because we feel like we need to absorb all of the content. It's why you went on the ride to get the complete picture of this cinematic universe in order to do it justice. Follow-up question. Have we been watching and do we have a responsibility to watch every movie called Fast and Furious... Granted, they all have different titles, or because they have different titles, is what we're doing watching every movie that features the characters of the Fast and Familia, the characters of the Fast and Furious cinematic universe. Well, here's the thing. Because we saw Hobbs and Shaw included it within the Fast and Furious franchise, Mm -hmm. and that does not... I I guess it technically says Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw... But the name of the movie is Hobbs and Shaw, and that that doesn't go with just the title. Yes. But it heavily features characters from the universe. So I would say that we would have to watch movies with featuring the characters from this universe and their stories. Because the only reason we watch Hobbs and Shaw is because it takes place in this universe and features characters from this universe. Exactly. Here is my final question to you, Henry. What if I told you that we fucked up? What if we, what if I told you that we missed one? No way. What if I told you we watched through all of these movies and uh-huh. we did not watch a Fast and Furious no, movie? No, because, no, we watched Tokyo Drift. We did watch Tokyo Drift. No, we, so we watched it. What, what are you saying to me right now? You're saying there is a movie out there featuring characters from the Fast and Furious universe that we somehow missed in our quest to watch them all. So, you might be a little familiar with a character, he's really in the conversation with Fast and Furious right now, called Han Lu. Yes, cool Han Luke. Would you like me to read you part of the first paragraph of his description on 
Record of note, wikipedia.org. Uh, yeah, sure. Let's let's hear it. Han Lu, alias Han Solo, pretty funny. That's pretty great. Is a it. fictional character in the Fast and the Furious franchise, portrayed by Sung Kong. The character originally appeared in the film Better Luck Tomorrow. What? The character later appeared in the Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift. You, what? Better Luck Tomorrow, a film written and directed by Justin Lin, the first appearance of Han Lu. Oh my god. We missed we missed the Fast and Furious movie. We missed a Fast and Furious movie, one of the first from 2002. That's like right after Fast and Furious. It is. It might actually have been before. I thought Fast and Furious was 2001. You're right, actually. So this is right after Fast and Furious. We Holy missed one. Holy shit. There is an origin story? There is an origin Han? story to Han Lu. And it is Holy in shit. It is in the high school drama Better Luck Tomorrow. It has nothing to do with cars at all, does it? Mm-mm. Oh, fuck you. I don't know anything about the story because the second I read this... By the way, to be clear, both Sun Kong and Justin Lin say unequivocally it's the, the same character Han. of Han Lu is the same character, period. So much so... That both the Wikia Fast and Furious fandom page and the other unofficial Fast and Furious Wikipedia fandom page both concisely state that Han Lu first appeared in Better Luck Tomorrow. Well, I think we both know what we have to do. Before Fast... Wait, before FF turns into a 9... F9, the Fast Saga. FF9 turns into a 9 slash F9. The Fast Saga... Is that really... (laughs) I always always forget that it's called that. I'm going to be honest with you. I've actually seen additional promotional materials. Same. Just call it F9. Okay. So I think we've entered a new world, a new realm of how these movies can be titled. Man, I guess they didn't want to be confused with Final Fantasy. No, they don't want to be confused with Final Fantasy IX, which is an amazing video game, a return to form. But So I will say it. Before F9 comes out, we have to watch Better Luck Tomorrow. Better Luck Tomorrow, which is also the name of a kind of shitty bar in Austin, but... Do they exclusively show that movie on repeat? No. Well, it's, then they're it's missing just, out. It's just a pool place where... A lot of weird stuff happened to me one night. But I'm sorry about that. It's fine. I had fun. Uh, but before F9, we must watch and as we are duty and honor bound to do, do a supplemental reading. An entire episode dedicated to Better Luck Tomorrow, the origin of Han Lu. Correct. Wow. Alright, so we're going to need to schedule that. We are. Um, we have to, at some point within the next few weeks, both of us have a lot of stuff coming up. Yeah. Probably not this weekend. Um, probably, maybe next weekend. Probably we'll next see. weekend. Well, maybe not. Next weekend I will be in Colorado, and that I would might be, be high out of my fucking mind. It would be a tad difficult to be in the same place to watch it. 
if that's what you were intending. I, yes. I, I figure this is something that we're going to have to, like, track down and rent or yes. something. It is uh, not exceptionally easy to get. Awesome. Because it is also Justin Lin's directorial debut. Which means it was really well-received. Well uh, yes. Actually, a lot of people really like it. It's considered, like, a, a seminal film in the Asian-American drama genre. Oh, that widespread, wide-reaching... Yes. There, there's actually this article called, like, uh, Better Luck Tomorrow Walk So Crazy Rich Asians Could Run. It's pretty well written. Okay. Uh, it's, I don't know. But, at some point during the next few weeks, not this weekend and not the following weekend, because like I said, I'll yeah. be in Colorado. I also don't know that I'll be back in town by that following Tuesday, but we'll figure it out. Oh, okay. Uh, regardless, if I'm not back in town that following Tuesday, I will eat a bunch of edibles and record a less than zero with my girlfriend. That would be fun. It would be fun, but we'll see. We'll all we, see. The only thing we know we need is to do it before May. So we got tons of months. Yeah, we've got it's like February. Two, two whole months. March... April? We've got eight weekends to figure it out. March? April? Two months? We'll do it. We got so hey, much look, time. You know March? what we also did in two months? Watched all of the Fast and Furious movies. That is true. We so did this should be easy. That was that was a pretty 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 good pretty good time that was a pretty good time uh, i'm glad we were able to come to an agreement on this was this news to you by the way the better so tomorrow fucking li- i had no idea i had no idea the character of Han Lu appeared somewhere else except for maybe in a trickle and like a twinkle in the back of my head maybe i knew that before but not i'm not confident enough to say that i knew that it's it's fascinating to me because essentially what justin lin did and he didn't realize the the ripples he sent through us by doing this. He put uh, he put Han Lu in Tokyo Drift largely as like a self-referential joke, not realizing that Fast and Furious would become the multifaceted thing that it eventually becomes. Well, he, he, I mean, he came back for the best one. He did. He was in five. He was in five. Yeah. He was, he was in the best ones two, five, and in the future, nine. All the best ones, including two. Uh, so we'll watch that. We'll do a supplemental reading. So you guys are going to hear more of us doing a supplemental reading, which we have not done in a minute. Well, there's just been so much, John. And I feel like I feel like if a movie wins an Oscar, we don't need to tell people why it's good. Yeah. It's also difficult. It, deser- it deserves one. Yeah. But we will never do it. Parasite? Yeah. Yeah, the... the no, pro- Joker. Oh. I mean, it also kind of deserves one, in that all awards yeah. are meaningless. I'm really tired of talking about Jokers, but, uh... Yeah, me too. Yeah. No, I, I think Parasite absolutely deserves cultural attention, and, and that's usually what we reserve supplemental readings for. That in every comic book movie that we see. Even though, I I would say, if we're, if we're looking at it, we've actually done more supplement, supplemental readings for uninteresting comic book movies in the grand scheme of culture. But you know what? Who's counting? I think that was a season three thing when we thought Marvel movies were really good and and worth talking about. Mainly because that era, that slice of of Marvel movies were just being really 
different from all the other Marvel movies, and yeah. thus they were good. The what was that? Phase three? Yeah, I don't know. I Whatever don't... phase that was was full of something that did. Uh, it did talk about a, a change that was happening in media. You had your Captain Marvels and your Black Panthers. And I wouldn't necessarily do a supplementary of Captain Marvel because even though I like the character, I, I genuinely don't believe the movie was that good. The movie was very weak, and that's just the way it was. Yeah, sometimes they're not good. You can't say that on Twitter, though. I mean, I uh, I learned that Black Panther was good by us doing a supplemental reading about it. Uh, and maybe, with better luck tomorrow... We will finally understand how Han comes back to life. Oh, you think the secret's buried in those? <gasps> what if the secret is buried within what that movie? Is? Let me tell you one thing. You know the one thing we know about Han? He eats chips. In the poster for Better Luck Tomorrow, he's eating chips. <gasps> oh, do you think the chips, the, chip, the chips are the secret? They are. The, cars, not... the cars are the chips. The, the chips cars are the, are the keys. chips are the keys. Uh, yes, this is absolutely happening. We oh, will keep um, you posted. Yeah. Uh, not to belabor the point too much more. Look for that in a story future near you. Yes. Man, should I... Let's talk quick aside. You've been to Colorado a few times. I have. It's great. <sighs> so... You should buy edibles. Oh, fucking oh, no what? No, I didn't I, say that. No, it's absolutely no doubt. It's legal there. No, uh, the only thing that I'm trying to figure out with my Colorado trip is how much time I'm going to spend higher than I've ever been. Uh, but, so I can, like, ski or whatever. Uh, but you've been to Colorado. I have. We're not going skiing. We're not going... You shouldn't. We're probably not going to go to the mountains much at all. We're going to really enjoy Denver, the surrounding area, go to a show at Red Rocks. All the cool shit. Okay. Uh, however, the... The real heads of the podcast will know that there is a lost episode during which uh, John was holed up in a hotel in Jackson, Mississippi. And do you remember the podcast S-Town when it was... uh, Oh yeah, I listened to it just this past year. So here's what I did, and I've described this on the podcast before. I laid in a bathtub of tepid water, deep in depression, because my girlfriend at the time... Uh, was doing other things, and I was uh, I was done with my classes that I was taking at this weird town. And I proceeded to drink an entire bottle of Jameson in a bathtub full of tepid water while listening to S-Town. And then I sat down with my laptop and recorded the strangest episode of Zero Credits that has ever existed. And one day it may be released. You keep saying it was lost forever. Yeah. I'll see what I can do. Basically, you I, have said that three to five times on this podcast, I, and it has never moved. I read a lot of poetry, and uh, I I don't know that I can ever release it. But were I to uh, take a bunch of edibles and have a lot of fun in Colorado, you might expect a similarly uh, troubled less than zero. But we'll see. I mean, that be that could be fun. It could be fun as long as you know. As always, you feel confident and, and, and willing to release it, you know? Yeah. Which this maybe, is a safe space. Maybe we'll never be for the lost episode, but Yeah, you know, I, I even I haven't heard it. Well I was in a I was in a specific place during the lost episode. I'm sorry. It's fine. Uh it's just gonna be released later like the Book of Enoch. Was that a book of the Bible? 
Dead Sea Scrolls? I don't know. I don't know either. The Apocrypha. Yeah, the Apocrypha Bible. There's a Book of Mary. Really? According to the Da Vinci Code. <laughs> oh, according to Tom Hanks? According to Tom Hanks. What was his name? Robert Langdon? Who cares? Oh, the in uh, the Da Vinci Code? Yeah. I think his name was Alfredo Da Vinci. <laughs> It was his code! It was his code the whole time. He was the angel and the demons. Yeah, he was the deacons and the demons. (laughs) Deacons and the demons. Uh, Anyway, whatever you were going to talk about. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, so uh, I'm going to preface. I'm going to preface this next segment. This episode is going Um, badly off. There's some news in the Fast and Furious world that uh, I think. More so than the news I just presented. I'm going to ask a series of questions to you, John, uh, to see how we should respond to this news. Only uh, if the questions deal broadly with our responsibility as stewards of our art. Now, as stewards of the Fast and Furious franchise, what what would you say was the reason why we started out in this whole uh, apprenticeship into... This specific series. Well, do you want me to answer honestly, or do you want me to kind of go deep and metaphysical with it? Uh, Maybe go deep and metaphysical with it. Go deep and metaphysical with it. Okay, so I think that we were pretty depressed over the summer. Uh, There was a lot of stuff happening politically that we really couldn't talk about. Uh, I feel like I was was deep in in a very real depression... Uh, about kids being put in camps and my position in life. So I just need something else to talk about for two months. I completely forgot that that was really the main reason. Is It wasn't that nothing was happening. It was that we couldn't talk about what was happening. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, all right, all right. And, um, and would you say that uh, we just cover the movies that have, like, Fast or Furious in the title? Or do we cover... Movies that specifically mention characters and <laughs> themes from the franchise. Uh, I would say probably, while well, we did watch Hobbs and Shaw, which I think technically was called Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw. Uh, but I think if knowing that we did cover Hobbs and Shaw only because those characters had appeared in other Fast and Furious movies, I would say anything that... that tangentially references the Fast and Furious franchise and could potentially take place in the same universe. Potentially take place in the same universe. Or, you know, take place in a universe where people are aware of it. I mean, would you... mm, That might throw a wrench in this next question. Uh, Okay, I'll just ask it. Uh, do you believe in the Fast and Furious universe? Has that Earth been visited by alien life forms? Uh, well, we know that the mole people do exist in the Fast and Furious universe. That is true. That was established by my last episode of, uh, of Spy Racers. And if we do take for a fact, as everyone should, that anything that has a creature from the X-Files by the transitive property of Mulder, uh, by the Mulderian dynamic, does imply the existence of the entire X-Files cryptozoological universe, then yes, I will say that aliens most likely exist 
in the Fast and Furious universe. All right. And could have visited Earth. I mean, okay. So, here's the news, John. Um... There's a movie that came out on February 14th into American cinema theaters known as Sonic the Hedgehog. What? I know this is news to you, but by the rules that we just laid out, Sonic the Hedgehog is a Fast and Furious movie. Wait, hold on. You want me to say it slower and more comedic? No, 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 I understood what you said. Yeah. But considering I answered a series of very specifically... (laughs) Considering I answered a series of very specifically guided questions... The Hedgehog. I'm gonna have to ask you to explain. Here's the thing. What, at its core, at at its essence, is the Fast and Furious cinematic universe about... At its core? At its essence, at its core, what is the take-home message of the day when you when you watch any Fast and Furious movie? It's gotta be Love Family Go Fast. Love Family Go Fast. The Familia is stronger than any type of diesel fuel. Yeah, even stronger than cars. What if I were to tell you that Sonic the Hedgehog is about family, and dare I say, going fast. Let me uh, break kayfabe for just a second. I am not about to sit here and let people do the same bullshit to me that I've been doing to people with cats for four months. I am not about to sit here and have people pretend to me like Sonic the Hedgehog is a worthwhile experience all while knowing that I'm going to sit sadly in a dark theater and be assaulted in the eyes by these awful, awful computer-generated creatures called Bustopher Jones and Jenny Any Dots. I am not going to sit here and let people tell me that Sonic the Hedgehog is good unless I have some serious fucking evidence. But Sonic the Hedgehog is very good. I can't believe this. He had the teeth. They fixed him. They fixed the teeth. They fixed... Well, he still has teeth, but they're less pronounced. Okay, I'll back up a bit. Okay. Back into kayfabe. Oh, I never let I never leave kayfabe, baby. Never. Um, so yeah, it's about family. But we also said it has to mention a character from the Fast and Furious cinematic universe, yes, right? Because that is true. Gotta make reference yeah. to other characters. There's a moment. And Sonic the Hedgehog, where he gets behind the wheel of a car, and he says, I feel just like Vin Diesel. It's all about family, Tony. Wait, does he say that? There's a person named Tony in the film. Uh Uh-huh. Yes, he does. Oh, no. See, here's the problem. Vin Diesel is not Don Toretto, right? He, He is not, but... The problem is if he said, I feel just like Vin Diesel and I was behind the wheel of a car, you could imagine 
that he was talking, of course, about the Xbox 360 video game starring Vin Diesel. Uh, I think it's called The Driver, The Getaway Driver. You could obviously think he's talking about that, but in saying that's all about family... Tony implying Tony Toretto yeah. while talking <laughs> to another person. Whose name is Tony. Whose name Wait, is Tony. Wait, no, his name's Tom. Do you say it's all about family Tom or it's all about oh, family Tony? Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh. Oh, no. You think people are going to put quotes up already? Wheelman! You think you think they're already gonna have quotes up? It's uh, it's Wheelman that Vin Diesel is the main character of video game. All right, I got Sonic the Hedgehog movie quotes. Here's a list of movie quotes from Sonic the Hedgehog. Can you do like a Control F um, or a Command F? I've been on Mac lately. Shit, these quotes are really bad in a no exact order. <laughs> are the quotes like, my name's Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> One of them was. Hedgehog yeah. alive. Okay, I see the name Tom. So his name is not Tom. I feel like Vin Diesel, it's all about family. For some reason, they left out Tom. Mm. Maybe so, I'm misremembering. Maybe this is a Mandela effect. Who's to say? But I, I still feel as though you're not wrong in that from the two Vin Diesel driving cars experiences I know of, which is the Xbox 360 video game Wheelman. I don't think that's about family. It's not about family. He's a loner Wheelman. Mm. Tremendous late title card in that video game, by the way. Like Drive. Yes. I finally saw Drive. Really? It's okay. It's quite good. I like the uh, the David Krasinski song better than I like the movie. It's a good movie. It's uh, a great song. And then you, uh, if you bring family in, clearly he's talking about Dominic Toretto. Yeah, obviously. So, what do we do with this knowledge, John? Well, we've got two options. Number one is ignore it. Oh. Uh, number two is do a supplemental reading of Sonic the Hedgehog. Now, I'm not saying it's worthy of that. Because we didn't do a supplemental reading of Detective Pikachu, and that was, like, an actually good film. Now, the thing about Sonic is, it's an actually good film. Yeah. But, whereas... No, they're the same. God damn it. They're both about goddamn family. Yeah, they really are. Detective Pikachu is a Fast and Furious movie. But Detective Pikachu does not <laughs> mention imply the uh, the existence of Dominic Toretto. No, the, despite all expectations, my wife and I, we uh, we made plans for Valentine's Day to see the Sonic the Hedgehog movie, thinking it was going to be bad, wanting it to be bad. We wanted to be like, we wanted to reward the animation studio that closed down to do the rework. Yes. So we're going to go see the movie because they did all that hard work. But at the same time, we kind of knew, okay, it's a video game movie. There are elements in it that have potential to be bad. This is probably going to be bad. Yeah. But we walked out of that movie with smiles, beaming. Beaming smiles. Because, John, Sonic the Hedgehog 2020 is decent. It's pretty good. It is good for kids, and the, 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 the adults can laugh, too. Like, it's... And it's gonna... I'm sorry to say this. It's the start of its own cinematic universe. No! It's going... It's... The, just... The, there are two... End... End credit scenes. 
Let me ask you a question about Sonic the Hedgehog. Now, you don't know this about me, Henry, and this might be the first time this comes on the podcast. Look at me. Big Sonic guy. Big time Sonic guy. What's your favorite Sonic game? Probably Sonic 2. Oh, okay. Uh, Sonic and Knuckles is good as well. Different movement modalities. I loved Sonic Adventure, but I recognize that's a very bad video game. Okay, well now, come on. Return, uh, return the favor. What's your favorite Sonic game? Sonic Adventure 2 Battle on, okay. on the GameCube. I played that to death. Now, both Sonic... That disc doesn't work anymore. Both Sonic Adventure games are bad, but remember that thing at the end of Sonic Adventure 2 where you're grinding on the rails in Space of Shadow? Oh, yeah. Remember when you collect all the Chaos Emeralds and you, like, share the power and get Super Shadow and Super Sonic? live and learn. Hanging on the edge of tomorrow? So when... I... To this day, I do not know that there is a better moment in all of video gaming... Then when the song kicks in at the end of Sonic Adventure, when you turn into Super Sonic to fight Chaos. Oh, Chaos was fun. Uh, it's a bad game, yeah. but it, that is maybe the best thing that has happened in video games. I like Sonic a lot, and here's my problem. This thing that society has gotten into its head, that they're about to start making good Sonic things now, yeah. irritates me. Well, I had to go through Sonic Spinball, Sonic 3D Blast. I had to go through so many awful Sonic experiences, and now, yeah. you mean to tell me Sonic Mania is incredible. It is. This new Sonic game is good as well. Movie? No, there's like another one. No, there's Sonic. No, there's Sonic Generations. There's one that's like a remake of the remake of the previous ones that people said was good. Now you mean to tell me this movie's good too? Yeah. What's happening? Uh, the Sonic Illusion. The Sonic. The Son Innocence. Is this like in 2018 when Spider Man was good again? Yeah. <sighs> okay, so now that I know that about you, and you've withheld this for so long, it's it's quite irritating. Number one. Funhouse released a video that you absolutely need to watch. Uh, I think they released it today. Can't say. Go watch it. Number two. Sonic the Hedgehog the movie. There is a moment toward the end of the film, no spoilers, where a slow, somber rendition of Green Hill Zone starts playing. And I felt so much happiness and nostalgia in my heart and in my smile and my face. John, the movie knows what it's doing. The movie knows that it is it is standing on very thin ice. And it, it plays so well. This feels more like a cartoonish Sonic than like the serious edgy 3D Sonic. Okay. He feels more like Sonic So less 1. Sonic Underground. Way less Sonic okay. Underground. Not even Sonic Boom. Okay. No, no, like the Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog with that theme song. Yeah. The, the it, Chili Dogs. Chili Dogs. It is this Sonic. Okay. James Marsden does a pretty decent job playing like the straight man. I've always liked him whenever he's in. I like when he pops up. And, of course, Jim Carrey brings 90s energy to a 2020 movie. Like, he is good-era Jim Carrey. 
His character's a little out there. Yeah. And it's not quite what I would pick for that character. But you gotta remember, these are early days. Yeah. When's he gonna when's he gonna turn the flickies into robots? The flickies were all saved in Sonic Spinball. No, Wait. Sonic 3D Blast. At what point does this take place in the Sonic Cinematic Universe? This is the first episode of the Sonic Cinematic Universe. But are, did, did the video games happen before this? The video games never happened in this universe. Okay, that's fine. I, I want to go see it. It's good. Are there Chaos Emeralds? No. Okay. Chaos Emeralds are a big deal for me. I feel like they're going to introduce those later. Also note that rings serve a different purpose in the movie than they do canonically in the games. Sure. Uh, think of them more as like, you know, the bonus rings? Yes. Think of them as like that. Okay. Interesting. I want to see it now. It's good. I I honestly think it's good. And I think it's a crime that we didn't get to talk about Birds of Prey. But uh, And now we're talking about something like the Hedgehog. Maybe one of those movies is worth more of your time than the other if you can only choose one. Yeah. Um, one of them got robbed at the box office. One of them just broke a bunch of records. Oh, so. yeah. Sega is for sure. And, like, don't get... This is the thing. This movie was 100% produced by Sega. Interesting. This is their first foray into the movie universe. So I will say there are three instances of very egregious, very gross product placement. But the rest of the movie is... (laughs) They needed that money. They apparently needed the money. But in my mind, it was gross, egregious product placement for Sega properties. Like, they, they go into a building, and then they're like, what is this, some kind of Space Channel 5? Yeah. And then, uh, like, whoa, is that a jet set radio? They're like, what's a submarine full of seamen? <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> Definitely. And they're like, oh, man. What a dream cast. <laughs> what a dream cast in this movie with me, Ben Schwartz. Fine, I'll go see it. Good. And then we can talk about it on the podcast. It's actually very we Might not supplement good. the reading it, but we'll talk about it. I don't think it's worth that because, again, we didn't supplement the reading Detective Pikachu. Yeah. And if we don't supplement the reading Birds of Prey, I'm going on strike against Sonic. All right, next week? Next week, I, well... Oh, no... What's happening next week? I think I fly out on Tuesday. Oh, shit! You didn't tell me I would have to cover for two weeks! Uh, I'll look at the itinerary. Oh, no. I'll look at, I'll, I'll look at All the right. itinerary. Next week, supplemental reading with me alone, Birds of Prey. Hear all of my, my Birds misguided of Prey, uh, takes on the movie based on comic book canon and nothing else. Oof, I did not realize that I had fucked us so bad with the schedule. Oh. oh, shit, are you okay? You seem to be dying over I, there. I am dying. Uh, so, I feel like... I don't want to I don't want to rush us to the end, but I feel like we've talked about a lot of good shit. Uh, well, I mean, if this is potentially going to be the last episode for two weeks... It's fine. Alright, it's gonna be... I fly out on the 26th. Next episode, next recording is on the 25th. You, you're going to be able to pack? Yeah, sure. Alright. We'll figure it out. Alright, so since this is not the last episode before a two-week me filling in... Yes. Poorly. 
Uh, yeah, I think we can end it. It's going to be a little bit shorter than normal, but uh, there's a lot going on right now that we can't get into. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Most of all, watching Better um, Luck Tomorrow. We got a podcast next week because it's going to be like after everything happens. Oh yeah, we I'm got it. I need to like decompress with like a close. We'll figure it out, friend, and and all of my all of my dear friends on the other side of the microphone. If nothing else, we can do it over the weekend. Uh, this weekend, maybe this weekend's my anniversary weekend. You're right. However. We'll figure it out there's off lot, mic. There's a lot going on. I off feel like mic. we should hash it out right here. We'll we'll fash it out. We'll fash. We'll we'll be fascists off mic. But since I ostensibly edit this week, that means the social media is one Henry. Do you know what ostensibly means? Uh, sure. Okay. What's it mean? Like without needing to have been said, but I'm saying it anyway. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what I meant. Then why do you say it with, like, a side-eye? If you want to send us a side-eye, you can do so on Twitter.com at ZCPCWHJ at Twitter.com. Uh, John, what does that stand for? That stands for Zonic the Chedgehog, Ponic the Chedgehog, Wanic the Hedgehog, Jonic. <laughs> <laughs> One of the H's for one of the other words was Hedgehog. Doesn't matter. If you want to send us... There was an H in there? Oh, it was you. My name. My name. (laughs) If you want to send us your name and social security number, please don't. That's weird. But if you want to send us your Sonic fan fiction, John loves reading it. He's a big Sonic guy, if you know what I mean. You could send that to zero credits as a podcast at gmail.com. Send us your fan fiction. Send us your man fiction. But please don't send us anything with the word diction in it. Big the cat's my favorite one. He's the fishing guy. He wants froggy. He wants froggy. Give him froggy. Give him froggy. Give him froggy. We are on Facebook sometimes. Search for Zero Credits in the Facebook search bar and you might find us. I don't... I just don't... I don't care. We are on... uh, What else? Spotify. Search for us in the podcast section of Spotify. We are Zero Credit Open Parenthesis S Close Parenthesis. And Spotify, I don't know if you know this, accounts for 10% of all podcast listens across all podcasts. Isn't that kind of insane? Isn't that kind of insane? It's pretty insane. We're not on Stitcher because they're only 2% get fucked. Uh, we are... <laughs> well, I'm just, I've been reading a lot about podcasts. We are on Apple Podcasts, which is the, like, the, I don't know, the mothership of podcasts. So if you could f- navigate your way in your spaceship to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and a review, for the love of God, that would be great. Because that is from which all things podcast are determined. Leave us a review. Leave us your spew. But please don't leave us your Pepe Le Pew. Because he comes on a little strong. Which I think was the entire embodiment of the joke behind him. Right? Gotta be. And last but not least, the only thing that keeps us alive is word of the mouth. So if you tell a friend that you listen to Zero Credits Podcast and then 
staple like a weird synopsis of what that podcast is to their shirt, they'll have no choice but to check it out. Staple shirts. Get out there. Get the word out. That's all I have for you tonight. And from everyone here at the Zero Credits, two bedroom, two bathroom, three TVs, three TV studio, we want to wish you a happy week. Yeah. Rolling around at the speed, speed of sound. sound. Got places to go. Gotta follow my rainbow. Can't stick around, have to keep moving on. Guess what lies ahead? Only one way to find out. Must keep on moving ahead. Don't ever cross and fall. My plan is Trust in what you can see. Take my lead. I'll set you free.